we are live. Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable Podcast, an ongoing discussion of poverty, UBI, and electoral politics. Today is Saturday, June 27th. My name is Jeremy, and today I'll be filling in for our usual host, Jill Riley. Get well soon, buddy. Uh, joining me today, we have two other members from the roundtable. Uh, we have Faye and Ariel. You guys want to say hi real quick? Oh, hi, you guys. My name is Ariel, and you can find me at Ariel's underscore Armada on Twitter. So that's A-R-I-E-L-S underscore A-R-M-A-D-A. And don't forget to check Revolutionary Thing on YouTube. Okay, and I'm. Um, if you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at Palestine Math. Or if you're looking for Zephyr, who is helping to put away the groceries right now, <laughs> I'm um, Palestine is where I live out in East Texas. So at Palestine Math. All right. Also joining us today is the one, the only, the great and powerful Pastor Stephen Browers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pastor. Hey, thanks so much. It's wonderful to be here. I'm Stephen Browers. I have the um, YouTube channel, Yang Gang Christians. I'm from Iowa, and I think my Twitter handle is at Brewers Stephen, but it might be at Stephen Brewers. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's at Brewers Stephen. But all right. So, so, so. Um, yeah, I have a special guest that will be joining us soon, possibly. And uh, as I, I never get any uh, attention from Yang Gang in terms of people actually coming out to visit. I did have Fred Ramey come out once in his truck that was wrapped, you know, so that was yeah. really exciting. But then, of course, you know, he had to park it at the big Walmart where we can have truck parking. And um, so today I have a special guest that will be joining us and I'll, I'll just let him do that later so he can we can introduce him. So it's my oh. first time meeting you, uh, Mr. Brewers. <laughs> is that <Yeah>. too formal, <laughs> Pastor Brewers? That's fine, Stephen. Stephen, my dad always told me to tell people my friends call me Stephen, but honestly, a lot of my friends call me Steve. Um, but you know, my wife calls me Stephen. Um, I go by lots of names. Well, um, I did. I did really get excited when I saw that you had started a Christians for Yang. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, um, and I was. It, I started it a long time ago. I was just trying to think of what I could do. And I know I've mentioned this on my channel lots of times, but you know, I was really thinking about the general election. I mean, I, was pr I wanted to get videos out there that people could share with their friends or family who um, you know, voted for Trump, but you know, always felt uncomfortable with that as be being a Christian or just couldn't imagine doing it again. And I thought, you know, let's get them the information about humanity first, the Yang gang values. Let's let them share this stuff so that, you know, cause I knew for sure that Andrew would win the democratic primary. Cause once I heard his message, I was like, there's no way anyone else is going to win this, but I was wrong. But uh, that's why I first started it. Cause you know, I figured this would be great in the general. What's the general reception been within the, uh, the Christian community and uh, your, political activism? Well, um, you know, in my church, they've sort of let me do my thing, although I try not to talk about my church because my church itself does not sponsor me or support, you know, Andrew Yang or anything like that. And I, so I don't put up my signs. I live in a parsonage, which means the church owns my house. So I don't put up any signs there. Although I did have my, um, my bumper stickers, of course, on my vehicles, but they don't own my vehicles. So 
but I mean, my church sort of let me do my thing because I've been here for 10 years and I've tried to never talk about politics ever because I felt like it was wrong, actually, for me to talk about politics as a pastor because I didn't want anyone in my church to ever think that, you know, they had to be a Republican or a Democrat in order to worship God. So I tried to be quiet completely. So I think, and then I, I sort of gave some warnings on Facebook and stuff like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so, you know, unfriend me now. Uh, I talked to my counsel and said, you know, this guy, Andrew Yang, I feel like I have to speak up and do some things and I don't do things halfway, you know, so just be prepared. And so I think they kind of let just... me do my thing since I had never really talked about politics before. Yeah, we just had a, a conversation with uh, uh, Reverend Wendy, Reverend yes. Wendy Hamilton. Is that mm -hmm. her name? Yeah. yeah. And she was she was awesome. And one of the questions that we asked her was also like, it is very tricky because uh, in the United States, we're trying to we have like some rules against churches really participating. Um, but I think that's true for everybody. I mean, if you have a job, right, you're afraid yep. to talk about exactly. your politics at your work, whatever your work is, because and and same thing with like if you're a teacher you're afraid to talk about it but you feel like that um you know like you need to move the country forward so how do you engage yeah. in politics yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i mean so my church was was pretty well they weren't supportive that but there were people in my church who supported me and a few people got mad a few but not really very many and considering the vast majority of my church is strong republicans i felt pretty good about that I never felt like my job was in danger. Uh, but but again, the reason I always had tried to stay away from it, and even why I was pretty careful with Andrew Yang supporting him is because I know that as a pastor, I have a level, there's a power dynamic. And so if I start talking about someone, people might feel, you know, unconsciously like in order to be my friend or in order for me to serve them or to like them, they'd have to agree with everything I agree with. <laughs> And that's, that's the thing. That's why it's, I just don't want people to feel that kind of pressure. But, but the reason I could support Andrew and I did is because I didn't feel like he was just a Democrat or a Republican. I felt like he was right in the middle. He wasn't going to say anything that was ever going to offend my Republican congregation members. And he never did. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, we talked about the poor people's campaign with uh, uh, Reverend Wendy also, and they yeah. say something like they are, um, they're not really, they say that they're uh, not partisan, you know, but they're very, they're almost militantly political in a sense, because sure. they feel that the solutions that we need in the world are require politics. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't say, but they never say we're for this, you know, this particular party. They just yes. say, we're going to get these solutions on the table. We don't care which party you work with. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's what I love about Andrew. In fact, in some ways, well, I mean, I've seen people on Twitter in the Yang gang talking about, you know, they don't understand why he doesn't run as a Republican. And I definitely hear what they're saying because many of the policies he has are would be supported in the Republican Party. But I feel like socially... He's just, he has a fit in the Democratic Party that I just don't think he would have in the Republican Party. <laughs> so I can see why he ran as a Democrat. I do. But, you know, sometimes I do wish that just because his policies are so bipartisan, 
And if we had a third party, he would be the perfect <laughs> nominee to really, if we had a strong enough third party that it was actually a real possibility to win. I mean, it would I can be perfect hear, I can almost hear our, uh, our um, co-host, uh, Shale, in, in my ear saying uh, he loves the word nonpartisan. There's bipartisan yes. and then there's nonpartisan, nonpartisan. which is even, even, even more accurate, I think. So it's pretty exactly. interesting. Yeah. We have. Stephen, have you heard of the uh, Eric Weinstein's Dark Horse Duo proposal? And uh, if you have, what's your, your thoughts on that? I have heard of it, but I have not looked into it. I really haven't. I've seen a few comments or thoughts. I guess for me, I just don't think it's possible. And I don't think Andrew will do it. <laughs> and so I just can't go there personally. I, I just don't want to get my hopes up in a way. I don't want to, because I don't do things halfway. And I mean, you know, I, if, if someone gave me a good reason to go back out canvassing for Andrew, I would do it. But I have a lot of other things to do. <laughs> so I have not spent a lot of time really delving deep into that one. So what is your, um, I, I kind of agree with you, just know, like everybody is kind of a wishful, you know, thinking on our part, but I just don't think Andrew would do it himself. And yeah. So I wouldn't want to push him. Um, so what do you think is actually, um, I what I really loved about your series was you went through all of those different values that we had and, yes. uh, and, and you showed how they were aligned with Christianity mm-hmm. and about and Christian values. And I, that's what I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that we can, we can uh, show how the values work for UBI or for these different policies that are really, um, like, really important. But there, it seems like sometimes Christianity seems to be all about just abortion or just certain, you know, specific yeah. values. But there's so many more values. My favorite is the abundance one. Yes. Is that? I don't know. Do you have a favorite or? You know, well, boy, do I have a favorite. <laughs> I, I wish I had a favorite, but they're just, I mean, the six Yang Gang values, I, when I read those online for the first time, I think I went on to like the base camp, like I, or maybe it was just Yang Gang base camp on Facebook one time. And I, and it said, before you say you're part of the Yang Gang, read these values. And I read them. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like, this is exactly like what I believe this, everything. I mean, I, I guess the, well, grace and forgiveness, I guess that would be my favorite <laughs> because... And that's the one that uh, Dr. Jet said that we are worst at practicing in our group. Yes. Yeah. But grace and forgiveness, I mean, I love the fact that like in the little write-up, it said, you know, we know that our candidate is going to mess up. We know that our campaign is going to mess up and we know that our followers are going to mess up and we're going to forgive them. You know, I mean... There's really nothing more Christian than that. However, I'm not saying all Christians act like that, okay? I'm just saying that's the basics of Christianity is that grace and forgiveness. So, and I can't imagine any other, although maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine other candidates or other um, other campaigns really making that a core part of their message. But I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, some of the other campaigns did have some sort of values that they set, like, um, I feel that uh, when when uh, you know Bernie is talking mm-hmm. about how it's not what how does he say it it's not, not me, me us. it's us it's not yeah. me us I think he's getting at something that is like humility 
Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, we don't have a sense that the the followers are necessarily practicing the same humility <laughs> that he's setting forth. So I like that how we had the specifics, you know, of all the things that, and mm-hmm. uh, and we had detailed explanations of what each of the little messages meant. And yes, uh, but yeah, I want to actually, I'm trying to work on uh, uh, joining this group called the uh, Nonviolent Communications. Have you heard okay. of that? Mm-hmm. And they are doing uh, the ta- the uh, New York group. Uh, with Tom Bond is doing a year-long course in compassion. It's called the Compassion Course. I think the CompassionCourse.org. I think you, that's where you sign up. And they are just starting a whole new session just now. I think this okay. week they started. And so it's not too late to sign up. Um, and um, they try to collect some money, but you know, if it's your first time and you're not sure if you really want to do it for money or anything like that, you can ask for a dispensation. So it's automatic. You get it automatically. You know, you just go on and sign up and say you want an alternate payment system. So I encourage people to join me because, you know, I feel like compassion and grace and forgiveness and all of these different values that we had have to be practiced like on a daily basis, like for the entire lifetime that you are alive. It's like every day you have to practice it all over again because it's not that easy. What do you think about that? It's, it's I, I think that those values, um, humanity first, grace and forgiveness, it's what drew me even more to the Yang Gang and why I love the Yang Gang so much. And it was such a different kind of positive atmosphere on Twitter and on Facebook. However, I, I admit that we aren't always good at this. And maybe worse recently, (laughs) I guess, I mean, since the campaign ended. However, I understand that. I mean, this is the thing that I think non-Christians don't get sometimes. Like as a a Christian, of course, all these values, I believe, are the same values in Christianity. What Andrew Yang's campaign and Christian values are the same. But I mean, what do you hear about, about Christians? Oh, they're hypocrites. They say they love people, but they're jerks, you know, they're judgmental. Well, of course, because in Christianity, we say that's because we're sinners. Well, I believe Yang Gang are sinners, too. I mean, like, they're going to screw up. Like, they're going to fail. Like, it's not it's not a surprise, okay? So, but the fact is that if we're all trying, we're all trying to do it, uh, you know, reminding humanity first, reminding, you know, of course, there are going to be different opinions. We're on the left and the right. We're trying to move forward just always practicing that trying to do better that's what it's about i mean of course we're going to be hypocritical as yang gang that's just part of being a human being i guess so i had to pick your brains on this okay because yeah. i want to do this compassion course thing and i've offered it you know i on um like our uh, fan base so we've lost uh-huh. base camp so we're kind of just gathering in fan base now on facebook yeah. anyway and then uh, i've offered it on twitter and i've noticed that mostly women sign up for this and I can't seem to get the young men and the other people you know in there Um, I don't know I feel like kind of uh, maybe you know if you're self-selecting and you decide to join right Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps the people who really need to spend more time thinking about it are the ones who don't value it and so they're not going to sign up so I'm like how do I how do I help this to propagate you know I guess it'll be nice if the women you know start practicing it and doing Kind of, you know, but I'm wondering how do I get them to come to the, you know, to come to practice with us? Yeah. I don't know if I have the answer, but I definitely hear what you're saying. It reminds me of the same issue that churches have about more women attend than men. And it reminds me of a book that I read called Why Men Hate Going to Church. 
and it talked about uh, just all the reasons. And I, I think it's right. Like it has, there has to be a challenge. Like, like for instance, if someone told me that, uh, you know, that it, put it for, put it forward as something hard to do, like some, that was a challenge that would very few men can pass this course, you know, or, or, um, or if you make it like, you know, there are 90% women attend this course. If you're single, go out for this course. No, I mean, just, it, it talks about, you know, why. Oh my goodness. Talk. Yeah. I, I <laughs> but, literally just talked to Sola who's running this, uh, the singles mingle. And uh-huh. I was like, you have more men in your group and I have more women in my group. <laughs> so like, how do we like, <laughs> but there's gotta be like a challenge. I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you the whole book, but it was just making the point that think about, we don't want to make certain things women only or men only. And sometimes guys have this misconception that there are certain things that are just for girls. Girls don't really have that. Like, here's one example the book gave. Uh, if you told a girl like, hey, you can go to um, Menards and learn how to cut um, cut wood, like with a with a saw, like women, like, I mean, you might not want to, but I mean, it would be okay if you did. It would be like expanding your horizons, right? But if you told a guy, hey, we're going to go to Joanne Fabrics and we're going to learn how to sew a pillow, a lot of guys might feel like that's not a man thing to do. I mean, I know it's like maybe uncivilized to say that, but a lot of guys feel that way. So there are certain. Are you like, sure the women would show up for the thing you just said? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't know. But but that's what that's the example the book gave is <laughs> that's and it was saying like church is sort of considered now to be a women's thing to do, like the girls and the older you know older men, but not like teenage guys and high or college guys. They don't go to church. Well, let's um, ask Ariel and Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, oh, what types okay. of things would motivate you to join uh, something like that? Well, do I just hit it on um, like there's a lot of women here coming uh, to women or what well, do I do? Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jew, so I go to synagogue. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times um, when I was younger and I was starting to grow up, synagogue would get really, really uh, boring unfortunately because um like like they they speak hebrew but that's not the only thing but it was like okay i get it we sit down we pray and then we stand up and then we pray and then they tell us to go to like page like 56 and then go to this page okay now sit down again now stand up again but they didn't really do anything to like make it relevant to our lives it's like okay Mm -hmm. like there are these stories of the people who did all these things in the past and they had all these like trials and tribulations but how does that relate to like helping me and like my struggles and my life so i think if you make it relatable if you if you make it like you know that this is the this is how we can help you with what you're going through or if these are the struggles that you have and make it fun that'll really work but if you just like say go to this page and like say this prayer and then go to the next page and then sit down and stand up. It's like, okay, like I'm kind of getting bored and this isn't relevant to my life. Well, yeah. you're talking about church, whereas I'm yeah. thinking about, um, I'm thinking about this compassion course, right? And the relevance of that is that it's an organizing tool that we should be using, right? We always talking about how do we gain people? But if we're going to gain somebody, right, you don't want to get into mm. these uh, trolley conversations we do online, which we're even right. doing. Yeah. Own so, so, so maybe yeah. for that, it's like um, uh, try, try to try to make it um, interesting. 
And it's like, hey, you want more people to like follow your ideas? You need to be a compassionate person because everybody, everybody like gets angry that people aren't like following their, you know, way of thinking. And it's like, well, you're never going to get them to follow your way of thinking if you're being rude and nasty and mean, but wouldn't it make you happy if they did? So this is one way to do it. You know, but nobody that I talk to thinks that they themselves are rude. Only other people are rude. Mm. Yeah. This is why I can't get anybody to work on their own things. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, what, what do that? you think, Jeremy? <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think the, uh, the the course the course is a great idea. I, th- I think what's difficult, what makes it a little less approachable for some people, is that it is a year long commitment, which is pretty difficult. And I think also whether people want to admit it or not, the the divide in this country is so great now that to even entertain the idea of compassion for someone who you seem um, as irredeemable in whatever respect is, uh, I mean, larger than ever. So whether or not people want to admit that bias or not, it is probably deep within them. And um, it's, it's a difficult sell. In, in 2020, I think it's a difficult sell. Do I think that's the right thing? Absolutely not. I just think that's probably the, the uh, reality of the boots on the ground. Well, I feel like the title might be hurting it because, I mean, for instance, if you called it field organizer boot camp, but you talked about compassion and how to be kind to people online and how important that is. I mean, I feel like guys might be more likely yeah. to go to field organizer boot camp because they want to be part of the Yang game and they want to make a difference for Andrew Yang next time. I mean, and then say, hey, if you want to be a good field organizer, you got to be a good listener. You got to love people unconditionally. <laughs> but that's just a guess. Right. We've had several, uh, several people do like video, uh, you know, like teaching how people should organize and how to talk to people because of the phone banking. Right. We had phone banking training. So all these trainings, they, they pretty much say that, but how do you actually learn compassion and empathy? That's the thing I'm working on. You know, it's like, it's not obvious what that means. People think it is, but it's not. And then, so like when you talk to people and say, um, Everybody thinks that they're an empathetic person. Nobody says, yeah, I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know, like everybody. But but obviously we're not practicing it all the time because it's really difficult. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I would say like for the year long commitment, it's kind of like how people say, oh, I'm going to commit to a diet this year. You know, I'm making yeah. a resolution. Everybody makes that resolution on the New Year Day. And then about three weeks later, everybody's forgotten about it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, I would say you could jump into the compassion course and find out what it's like for the first two weeks. And if it's not for you, just, you know, take off, you know, it's fine if you don't commit to it forever, but then you start getting all the emails and you can get them like once a week, you know, and you don't have yeah. to do anything else if you don't want to do anything else. And if you want to read it, read it. If you want to come practice, come to the group, you know, but like, I don't think it has to be that complicated. Like I'm, I'm signing up for a year and if I don't do this podcast, right, you know, I'm going to get, you know, some sort of punishment or something. It's, it's pretty Mm -hmm. simple, I think. And then um, I like that idea of rebranding that to the whole organizing. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that with somebody else today. Uh, Thank you very much for that idea. So it sounds like a great thing to do. It really does. Well, I think, um, you know, ultimately the problem is we don't know what what it means. So sometimes you're instructed to do something and you don't really know how to do it. But the only way to do it is you got to practice like every day. That's how I think, you know. Like, Faye, I I really think that like Yang Gang people are like mostly like 
the the friendliest in the whole political scene. I, I, I see I see more of that behavior of not being like kind to one another. Like I don't mean to offend, but in the other camps, like in the Bernie and Warren and especially Trump. So it's like it's kind of yeah. like shouldn't we be introduced, you know, in, in yeah. Try to yeah, go to their camps, know. infiltrate and teach them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean I have, I mean, um, but, but, but it's, it's good to, you know, be compassionate and stuff. But the thing that I, that I see is that like, but, but at the same time, you also don't want to be a doormat. So how, how can I say you don't, you don't want to let people kind of like step all over you. And I kind of think that Yang, if he, if he, he was a little, I don't know, too friendly at times. To it, 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 it's it's like he need, he needed to show that like he just won't be like pushed around and like he kept getting the least speaking time and stuff like that. But but, oh, I, but I, I hear think, a really good question yeah. in there for Stephen. Yeah. I think Stephen's got an answer for this one. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the question was, but I definitely remember a lot of people being mad at Andrew <laughs> during debates for being too nice. You know. From so my the question is, can you be too nice? Should we just you know? Do we have to have a more aggressive stance when we're politicking? This will just be my personal opinion. (laughs) Of course, I don't know the right answer. And obviously, some people could say he lost, so he was too nice. But I don't think he lost because he was too nice. I don't think being aggressive would have changed anything. It would have, personally, I don't think it would have changed anything. They weren't giving him the speaking time for other reasons, Uh, not because of him being kind or not because he didn't jump in more i personally think i mean i think he was being countercultural. i think he i think if you were going to vote for him over donald trump i mean you needed somebody that was going to be the opposite of donald trump and that's what he was i mean he was like the opposite of donald trump in every debate if donald would have been there he would have been you know talking about you know pocahontas pocahontas or whatever you know pick a pick it some horrible thing to say and he, makes he, up, he makes up a name for every single person except for yeah. Andrew. <laughs> I know. But I mean, I loved the fact that he never, he, that Andrew stuck to his guns. And I, I mean, that was just my personal opinion about it. But, you know, he was not a normal politician. And, and it's possible <laughs> that nice guys won't ever finish first. It's possible. But I, I loved finishing? supporting a guy like him. Well, I'm bringing you a nice guy Hi. as a friend right yeah. now. Have you ever met Daniel before? Yeah. I don't think so. I can't so. hear anybody, though. I know. I'm going to turn this on. So oh. come on. Can you hear them better now? Let's I try it. Hello. Hello. What's up, Daniel? How's it going? I don't know You're if ready? I've met. I mean, obviously, Ariel, but I don't know if I've met anybody else. But I've seen. Oh. Jeremy is our, um, is our uh, producer person. All right. All right. You're coming up in the world. Oh, and uh, <laughs> is a pastor. Yeah, I've seen Stevens, Pastor Stevens, um, videos. Awesome. awesome. So uh, yeah. This is nice to meet you, Daniel. This is such a nice guy. He's going to be making me delicious, healthy food so that I can be healthier this weekend. And so awesome. I can be doing my work with you right now. You <laughs> just went put away all the groceries we just got this morning. <laughs> no, I didn't put them all away. Not yet. Still working okay. on them. Well, you know, because I got so many. He made Zephyr a sandwich, so Zephyr's super quiet for a minute. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the least there's yeah. that. So, 
Yang so, Yang is full of nice guys. This is where, this is where we got to last. I think. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, Stephen, you mentioned uh, when we when you were speaking last that you 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 described um, Andrew's uh, I guess his demeanor as as a uh, countercultural and uh, as being a a uh, compassionate and um, I guess loving person. Is that do you think that's really now a, a, a counterculture subject? And is that like, I guess, could you say that like that is the edgy thing to be now? I do believe so. I mean, it's hard as a pastor. I just always see these connections. I mean, I bet that all, well, when Jesus was crucified, and of course, this is from my opinion, right? When he was crucified, a lot of people are like, why? Well, actually, it's written in the Bible. Why don't you come down from the cross? Save yourself, you know, like kind of thing. So from my perspective, you know, why didn't he? I mean, he could have like he said, if I want to, I can call legions of angels to come and kick your butt. You know, um, then I could have proven it, you know, but that's not that's not what he was trying to teach us to do. You know, humility doesn't do that. But I, but also, um I talked a little bit about this on my channel. There's this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And just talking from not just a personality wise, but it the first chapter is don't criticize, condemn or condemn someone because it won't work. Like it doesn't change their minds. And I feel like just thinking from that perspective, persuasive, like how to persuade somebody, Andrew is doing it the right way. He, like, like he could get on his podcast and when... Like, I think when Mark Cuban was talking about um, sort of criticizing UBI, Andrew could have totally been like, you are wrong, Mark. You are completely wrong. You know, <laughs> but would that have changed Mark Cuban's mind? Would it have changed any of Mark Cuban's fans? I mean, probably not. He just has to say, you know, laugh yeah. a little bit yeah. and, and give the alternative um, way of thinking, you know, and just continuing his message. And that's what I think can really change people's minds if they're going to change their minds. That's the thing. Can, can I chime yeah. in now? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use all my expertise to tell you what's <laughs> going on now. So, yeah. So anyone who can state a problem is considered the expert. So that's what Andrew's good at. But that's also what Trump is good at. He's able to, even if he's kind of wrong, Trump, I'm saying, he still states that there's a problem. And anybody who can define a problem is considered the expert so the way andrew does it with he does it with compassion he's very um he uses he uses a kind of like a a compassion way of understanding it so you know he doesn't talk first which is key to mm -hmm. you know communication and whenever somebody if you notice how he Andrew talks, anytime somebody states a problem, like they could go, this is going on, that's going on, uh, you know, this is going on. And then with empathy, what Andrew will do is he'll go, you know, you're right. And it's even worse than you think. This uh -huh. is also what's going on in your, your, your local area or this in this issue. And he states out some more things. So that is empathy. Okay. That's what he's practicing. So really to influence I mean, at a higher level to influence anybody, you can use empathy. And so those are things like don't saying, don't say you're wrong. You know, it's like Trump, people, you know, talk about Trump and being critical of people, but he's critical of people that aren't around him personally. Okay. Yeah. It, it's okay to point out a bad guy that can't defend themselves out in the ether. 
Okay, and that's where he's critical, but he's not critical to his base or people around him. You know, people around him are great, fantastic people. Okay, and so people will still find that empathy. So that well, something that Trump does really well was he always tells everybody that he has the best people. Right, and he has everybody that follows him are the best, even when you know other people are out criticizing and saying, well, they're racist or they're this or that. He always somehow manages to, right. you know, he makes everybody feel like. So it's us against buddy. them. Yeah. Is what it comes down to it. Us against them. And so w- to influence people at a high level, if you can use empathy, which is not saying you're wrong. Okay. But saying, restating the problem, even if you like Andrew does at a higher level where he adds to the problem. So people know he has a understanding, but if you can just repeat their words and like this is wrong that is wrong this is wrong so what you're saying is this this was wrong that is wrong and you get them to say that's right that's like a critical thing if you can get them to say that's right and understand that you understand then they they have your you've given influence over them because they they feel because you're being empathetic but also because like nobody wants you to try to solve their problem if you don't understand them first I have that problem a lot with my parents. You know, sometimes I try to tell my parents about something and they are, they just out with the solution right away. But actually what I want them to do is say, I understand you first. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I feel like sometimes their solutions don't match my problem or my situation. <laughs> right. I mean, you, know, you don't know about the fact I have this boy I have to take care of, you know? Right. And that's <laughs> the, that's the thing with like men, women communication, as you probably mm-hmm. know, Pastor, that, men always want to solve the problem right away and women and women don't want the problem solved, but they want to be listened to. And so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for men to understand like when a woman talks about the problems that they need to not use words like say, well, this is what you do. They don't want that. What you have to, the empathy thing, the main thing that you want to learn is I feel, it seems like it sounds like it feels, you know, it feels like, those kind of things is the the key to showing empathy rather than, hey, I have a solution for you. And then if they say, well, what do you think I should do about it? Then that's when you can offer a oh, solution. Yeah. Nobody likes it when I give them advice mm-hmm. because they're not <laughs> asking me for advice. Yeah, they that's just, right. Yeah. Just want me to listen to them. <laughs> I, I think that's like one of the reasons why uh, Trump won his election because um, he, he was just saying these, these we have these problems, we have those problems and this, but his solutions really didn't go anywhere. But at least he was acknowledging the problem. And then if you look at the Democratic side, they weren't even saying what the problems were. They, they were just saying that, oh, like you, you got to stop discriminating and being racist. Like this is, this is all your problem. But it's like, hey, hang on, hang on a second. Like these people are losing their jobs in mass. They're turning into like opioids and alcohol and all of that stuff. And then I was just seeing from the Democrats like, oh, that's no big deal. We just got to learn how to like get along. You're not even acknowledging like what they're going through. And then Andrew came along and he's like, hey, I'm acknowledging what you're going through. And I, I, I think I think I have something that can help you. That's why you never saw Trump once attack Andrew Yang or even mention him because he knew it's like I have to avoid 
Yang because I, I know he's he's the only threat. But all these other Democrats were just so out of like the loop on like the problems that were going on that hey, that's what we got. And and that's, that's kind of what, what that's kind of what I was saying. If you can state the problem or the understanding of the problem, you'll be considered the expert whether you have a solution or not. And so yep. that's why politicians, even running Pete Buttigieg or whatever, were very uh, n- not problem oriented or solving oriented. They were very, you know, general as to what the solution would be. And you would hear Pete Buttigieg for a lot of time saying, oh, well, I need to look into that or whatever. But he would st- he would state the, the problem and the understanding of it and offer no solution and be very general. And that's what politicians like, you know, drive us crazy in the Yang gang because we know Andrew. Yeah, but that's yeah. what politicians generally do so that they can feel that, you know, that are giving that feeling that they're uh, expert, that they know something. Yeah, like the theater. Not having to be. What worries me about what's happening now and the message, the one thing that Andrew Yang talked about all the time that I miss and that isn't being talked about. I mean, UBI is talked about and now data privacy, all that stuff, getting paid for our data. But like every, I mean, it's even more so now, Trump is the problem that's going to be solved in the next election. Like that is, that's all that we're talking about. And I mean, I completely understand and get it. And I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach just, you know, thinking about him as my president, all this stuff. But but I mean, Andrew would always say he is not our only problem. Like he is not the problem. Uh, the economy is the problem. This virus is the problem. I mean, there are yeah. people that, I mean, Donald Trump is not going to, I mean, if he loses, then what? Like, <laughs> then the is the problem really gone? Right. I'm not convinced. <laughs> the problem is that we have to bring everybody along with us when we do politics. And if you are leaving behind a chunk of people who just don't agree with you and you can't figure out how to get them aligned with you, then you're not organizing fully. Like, so we have yeah. somebody in our um, podcast group that sent me a really great video that described the difference between organizing and mobilizing. Where organizing, he says, is um, it was a a lady who was speaking about labor unions and how they organized with that. Um, And she was saying that organizing is about showing other people that, you know, your actual goals are aligned with each other. So you're, it doesn't matter, you know, like what opinions you have about various things doesn't matter, just that you're trying to work towards the same purpose. And then whereas, um, you know, so you get more people into your group that way. But mobilizing is just calling up the people you already know and saying, hey, it's time to go. Let's go do something together, which we need to do both. But honestly, the Yang Gang has to focus on growth now. It's like yes. there's, there's a whole uh, like we have a goal to grow 10 times well, by yes. 2024. And I yeah. don't think it's going to happen unless we get some marketing money and we do some like scrap grassroots marketing. I mean, not even a lot mm-hmm. of money, but there's I mean, I've had several ideas that you know, would take, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever, you know, but there should, there should be like, Andrew should be setting aside like Yang Gang money to, for his marketing going forward for like grassroots oh, people. You mean like, you mean like, like a Trump, UBI Trump, for marketing? Well, like, like, wait, like Trump is, uh, Trump was what, uh, collecting money and fundraising throughout his entire presidency yeah. just for this moment mm-hmm. like for yeah. him to go. So, 
Why but, shouldn't we be doing the, the, he should be doing some fundraising well, for that? Too. I just think that if like independent creators like us were getting some kind of funding, we would be putting out a lot more content. Oh, you're talking about to to support the yeah. yang, yang gang. The yang gang. We would be putting uh, out a lot more content if we had more funding. I was talking about like the yang uh, oh. I was talking about like yang's campaign group. Yeah. Um, they've moved well, into yeah, this they, other space now. They should, yeah. But they should also continue doing the Collecting. political, I yeah. think. That's true because especially for us poor people, right? When we sure. pay for something, we're like $5 a month. We can handle that. So if yeah. they wait until like a year before, we're only going to give them $5 a month because that's what we can afford. You know, we're not going to give them $120 now because they didn't ask us for three years. It's just not. Yeah, that's happen. a great, that's a great point. <laughs> Yeah, we should probably yeah. mention that at some point. Try to talk up to the to the and ask them to just start doing that. Well, the thing was, I I personally think Andrew lost specifically. I mean, there's other reasons maybe, but specifically when it, he said that when he collected all the money in October that he was going to put gasoline on the fire that is the Yang Gang, and then what happened is he hired high price corporate media oh. company to do his commercials. And that was not, that was yeah. another fire somewhere away, far away from the Yang gang that he put all his resources in and that did not turn into a blaze. It turned into a pitter. You know, he wasted all that money. Those commercials did not help him get in closer to winning. If he would have spent even like $10,000 or a million, $1 million oh, on all the Yang Gang independent creators, like to the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, to their... Like what in the FEC would prevent him from doing that? I don't know. I don't I, think... It is. Right. Actually, he could buy, he could buy uh, you know, podcasts and stuff like yeah. that because... If he, yeah. if he would have done... That's true. If he would have done that, that would have been correct fire on the Yang Gang. And we would have put out so much content and quality content that the whole world would know about Andrew within a month, maybe two. The, the, the whole world did. was starting to know because a guy from Denmark came over to Iowa to, to canvas for Yang, you know, you know, they, they, they were from all over the world, but, but the thing is, yeah, he, 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 she should have created the passion. Like, like you were there, uh, yeah, Daniel, with that event in LA where where you know the loudspeakers and the fireworks and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome. You should you should have mobilized more energy like that and and around the country instead of paying those corporate consultants. Yeah, it was money well, wasted, but yeah, well, he, he did do a little bit of that. Stephen has a channel of for the for the Christians for Yang. Is right. that how is that what your, the name of yep. it is? Or Yang Gang Christians. Yep. Gang Christians. Sure. So he you you probably could have done a lot with five thousand dollars for well, your channel. You know, I don't know. I mean, being in Iowa, I, I mean, I I can't disagree. I feel like the money wasn't totally well spent on the ads, the TV ads. Although of course hindsight is twenty twenty, because it did something different. I mean, I started canvassing in September. Uh, and I, I was constantly doing it. And the difference between September and January was huge. People would always say, Oh, yeah, I've seen his commercials, like they knew who he was. And right. it is really hard to convince someone to go for this crazy idea they've never heard from somebody they've never heard of. No, and I think it that's what he was doing. And in some ways, it really did work. Like, yeah. it made it so that people agreed. But 
you know, I just wonder sometimes if it was even possible. I mean, when you consider that, like, after Andrew dropped out, I mean, you mm -hmm. had Bloomberg money and you had, you know, Buttigieg money and you had all these people and 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 Biden won. Like Biden yeah. didn't run an ad. Well, Biden didn't have anything he stood on other than I'm going to beat Donald Trump. And yeah. I mean, he won. Like, I just, it makes yeah. me wonder if there is even a way that Andrew is going to win. And I, and so, I mean, I, I wanted him to, I, I wished he would have, I don't understand why he didn't, but like in that environment, it just makes me think probably it ended up as best as we can. We lost, but in the end we're winning the, the long-term war, like in terms of UBI and oh, yeah. data privacy and stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you think is the best thing that we could be doing right now? So we asked the same question to Wendy and she said that, uh, she said that we should do more self-care and self, you know, so I, I believe that self-compassion is actually a really big part of learning what your what compassion is about. Sure. But um, what do you think we should be doing now uh, as, as a Yang gang, you know? What would be your well, call to I, action for us? I can't speak for everybody. I guess I, I believe it's just very much like the universal basic income. I don't want to be like the government and tell everybody what they need to spend their money on, like food stamps or uh, for, you know, sorry, each particular thing. Like this is for housing. This is for food. This is going to be for your medical insurance. Let's just give them a thousand dollars and you spend it on what you need. So I guess I believe each individual Yang Gang member is probably going to have something they need to work on. Uh, I mean, I have my own, I'll, I'll bring up the thing I'm working on right now that I believe for me personally, I can do is focus not so much on Andrew Yang and focus on the policy that means the most to me, which is universal basic income. And yeah. so I've been working for like the last two or three weeks on creating a website and it's, it's called Christians for UBI. It's not launched yet. I've been working on the content, but my goal is to, I mean, Andrew will have a place on there, but I'm really trying to just reach out to Christians in general, regardless of political identity and saying, this is a policy you need to get behind and let them know, you know, all about it and why it's a uh, Christian uh, values and, and frequently asked questions and what Christian leaders, they, how they support it, like Martin Luther King Jr. and the Pope, you know what I mean? And Oh, um, yeah. Wow. And, when the Pope and all these things. Wow. And then sort of my goal is and then letting them know these are the candidates running right now that support UBI on, you know, left and right and in the middle. And I mean, for me, that's what I need to do. I don't know. Um, I mean, self-care is always important, but like, I don't know how that would necessarily help you know, Andrew get to be the president or get universal basic income. Um, well, I think her point was that, um, you know, you can't, it's like the, you know, put on your own safety belt first, you know, there's sure. a lot of things happening for people right now. And the most important thing is to be uh, really strong going into the next wave of whatever we're doing. So if don't like, um, you know, stress yourself out on, you know, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing that because it's not sustainable. We, we, a lot yeah. of us really wore ourselves out in the oh, last yeah. round yeah. for yeah. So and, and I'm very privileged. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is that stimulus for me, first of all, it wasn't just twelve hundred dollars. It was twelve hundred for me, twelve hundred for my wife and like five hundred for all of my kids. Right. So, you know, how many like, kids do you have, Stephen? Nine. Well, I have five now, but I only had four oh when the stimulus came. So we're talking forty four hundred dollars <laughs> with a family with two incomes. I mean, 
I'm you just have saying, a baby? Like, I'm rich compared to a lot of the people in, in the world, of course, but in the Yang gang, I right. mean, like, so like for me, I, I need to be doing something different than other people. But yeah, if you, if you're just living on three months off 1200 bucks, you probably shouldn't be putting together a website. Like right. <laughs> you, you've got to take care of yourself. Taking care um, of yourself. Yeah. You know. so it's well, really well, that, individual, like you said, that's the yeah. wonderful thing is that the people who have like more resources and more of the means can be helping others and like getting the word word out. So it's like a triage kind of uh, situation that we have going on. And I think that after Andrew Yang suspended his campaign, that's when his name recognition went up the highest. <laughs> it was yeah. like so funny. But, but the yeah. thing is, is that like, it's not just a presidential campaign anymore. It's like, it's like a new way of looking at the world. It's like a new vision for the world that we can live in. And that just doesn't, disappear and uh and and that's the beautiful thing about it is is that is that 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 the ideas and the vision are more relevant now than they ever were at any time and now is the perfect time to just talk about the vision and the ideas and the people aren't even going to know if it's like connected to yang or not they're just going to listen to you and they're just going to say hey that makes sense why have we never talked about it before? And this lays the foundation. And not to mention all these, all of a sudden, all these like UBI candidates running for Congress, running for local office, we can really change the entire game from the ground up. Yeah. I've talked to Blair Walsingham from Tennessee. Um, and um, I haven't talked to, but Jermaine down in South Carolina. I mean, those people, I mean, I wish I had someone from my area, but I don't, but like, it's so cool that they're running and they're winning and they have a chance to get the message out, whether they win and make it in or not, the message is getting out there to more and more people. Can you run? <laughs> the running part is pretty important. Yeah. The actual I, I won't run. My wife would not support me in running. <laughs> yeah. It's always okay. Yeah. But, but, just but you have a new baby. We did, yeah. She's a month, a little over a month old. She was born yeah. on May twenty third. There will be other times when you might run for office in the future. I, yeah. I, I think you're needed at home right now. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's not even running. It's 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 just like like changing the narrative. And I think that 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 the like there there's after this pandemic and after this like race stuff that's going on, there's no going back. And you know what, like, I'm, I'm glad we're not going back because what would we have been going back to if we do go back after this, then it's like, we haven't learned anything and, and all this stuff is just going to happen again because, because, because those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So right. we learn from our history and we start switching and turning into another direction. Well, going back is always a fantasy because time keeps marching forward no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. You can't really go back. You can never really, they call it, you can't go home again, right? So and I'm glad you can. I like how Jeremy has bail out the people behind him on his wall because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of my big priorities right now is bail out the people is about a recurrent cash stimulus right now, right? For, um, for the, specifically for the coronavirus. Is that right, Jeremy? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Is that like a high priority for you? Is that why you have it up? Yeah, uh, I would say uh, 
and in terms of even even why I do this podcast, uh, U, UBI is single handedly the most important subject that I am like laser focused on. Uh, you know, out of uh, Yang's 130 policies, they were all great, but the only one I actually care about is UBI. I, I think uh, that, that is you know, the cor- that is the the cornerstone to making the other 129 an actual reality. Well, that's that's the foundation. Like, if you want to build a house, you start with a you, you don't build the roof first. So we got to start like on the ground level. And mm-hmm. th- and that's the thing. It's because UBI is the most freedom American centered principle out there because it takes power from the top and it gives it to the people. You know what? What? Why do we look like the most American of phrases? Right. No taxation without representation. So a UBI is like a representation because it takes money to do whatever you want to do with the world. So it's, it's our representation for that taxation. Like, like just, just, just straight up because, because, because the taxes aren't going to get lost in some complicated pipes or some bureaucracy. It's just going to lay a foundation for us. And we represent ourselves with, you know, the, the kind of power that we're getting to do what we want in the world. (laughs) Yep. I'm, I think I think it's sometimes we don't talk about it as much in, in podcasting and live streaming because um, we feel like Yang Gang has really talked it over and we're talking with other Yang Gang, you know, but um, yeah. but people do not understand it. People really don't understand what a UBI is. And then when you say universal, you know, and but they want to give it to just people who are poor. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, and we have a lot of people even in Yang Gang who don't understand that. Like the universality of it, you know, it's unconditional. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, for instance, even as I'm saying this, like, you know, I feel so rich because like I have two incomes, although my wife will be staying home now. So we're down to one. But, you know, we had uh, so we have her income for another like two months. And then we got this stimulus, which we didn't need at the time, you know, but like so I feel super duper rich. Like I am not like rich. But I'm, I feel rich <laughs> and I feel like there's all these possibilities. It changes to this mindset of abundance. It changes everything. So, but I mean, like I would, I'm still under 150,000, but you know, like uh, in terms of oh, making sorry. the conditions for getting the stimulus, but let's say I made 175,000 or whatever. Um, I'm just getting that extra money. It might seem like you don't need it. Like they don't need it, but it still gives you like this freedom to do something else, like to right. to give back or to help somebody else out or or whatever. I mean, I'm not yes. saying everybody is going to do that, but I'm just saying giving the money to rich people if they want it, <laughs> like you just don't know what they could do with that. It's- I have a friend who who literally told me that she didn't want another check because she felt guilty. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. I don't want it because you're saying I don't need. Well, it. then donate it. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do something good with it. Well, I think she, yeah, I think it's some, so a lot of people during this time have actually tried to offer me assistance. And mm-hmm. so I, I also feel like, well, I've gotten some and I don't need it as much as maybe this other person. So yeah. it's hard for people to actually, I think that's the grace right. and forgiveness again. Yes. People are not compassionate to themselves. They say, oh, we don't need it. This is not a need. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of human needs that are met with money. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of different things that you might not think you need, like, and people are mean and angry to each other when you go online, like they're nasty about it. I told people mm-hmm. that I was going to buy a bookshelf and then I was going to pay off my um, car insurance. So, so people were saying, what would you do with your money? Right. So I said, I'm going to pay off my car insurance 
like I can pay for the whole year instead of saying paying monthly and then like have extra fees. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to need my car insurance. I'm going to need right. to drive in Texas. There's nowhere you can go with no, there's no public transit, you know, and then I, and I haven't had a shelf for like probably a year and a half that I've needed to put all my stuff on. This is why, this is why our friend is here is he's helping me with this big project of getting all my stuff put on shelves. Right. So it's like, okay, really? Uh, I said, I put that on out on online and people were very like, oh yeah, well, you're just going to give the money to the bank. Right. And then you're yeah. just like, what do you need a bookshelf for? Like they're thinking like yeah. I'm, I'm buying new books or something you know, you, during you, the you, pandemic. You know, you know what the thing is, is, is that like what Re Reverend Wendy Hamilton said it, that, that the church can just like help people like that. But then sometimes when they go through the state, it, it has all these like, hoops you have to jump through and all these things that you have to prove and all this paperwork that you have to sign by the time you want to finish all the paperwork and jump through all the hoops like your needs keep increasing increasing and your situation keeps getting more and more dire so if the government just gave the stimulus to like a person who who, who just has a little bit of extra cash and you feel quote-unquote guilty yo just that donate it to that person who's being made to jump through all those hoops. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not that hard. Right. Uh, hey, Steven, just want to check in with you real quick. Uh, we're at the one hour mark. Uh, are, are we still good? Yep. I probably have another 20 minutes cool. <laughs> I can get away with. <laughs> yeah, all right. To, uh, to the follow up with uh, what Ariel was saying there, um, I'd like to ask you, uh, why do you feel it's important that the, that the church uh, remains a, a, a central figure when it comes to uh, community outreach uh, in comparison to uh, the state-funded social net, social safety net programs. So I have that. That's actually often my question is when I went through a tornado uh, last mm -hmm. year, I think it was 2019, April 2019. Yeah. And um, the church had to step in and help everybody in the community. So they raised like $600,000, which sounds like a lot, you know, for a poor community. Sure. They yeah. probably like helped rebuild like 20, 20 something houses and then they said, well, that's all the need that we have in our community. <laughs> I was, even though there's always poor people, they always need more stuff, but like, that's all the, you know, uh, but the government did not step in whatsoever. Texas did not help. You know, FEMA didn't help. National level wasn't going to help because it, you know, and I've, I feel like, is it, um, is it dangerous to constantly be relying on all this private fundraising? I mean, I feel like the, the state needs to be involved and to do that for people. And free up the churches to do like, you know, to minister in other ways. But but the churches are so active and basically meeting all of these needs. A lot of people are just like, well, we don't need the state. In, our, in, in Texas, there's a lot of, you know, we only need the church because the church is going to do it better. And we don't want the state to be involved. But I think the church, you know, shouldn't have to do that. Like it's well, the just state so much all just, this extra effort. The state should just give the church the money then to yeah. be able to do that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah probably not going to happen that way. But I mean, I feel like there's a need for Christians. And I'm, and by the way, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I know that there's lots of faiths that do this. It's not like Christians um, right. are the best or, you know, the only at, at helping people out. Okay. But, um, but I feel like Christians need to do it because they need to like, like, because God's done so much for me, I, I, it makes me want to give back. That's why I give back. Not necessarily because I have to, but because I want to. Uh, but I, but I just recently made a video about this, like about this idea that, you know, we should just leave it to the churches. And I just think, I think it's a great idea, 
but it's just not really realistic. I feel like any Christian or person at all who thinks that a religious organization or a church like small churches is going to take care of their community, not only do they, they just don't know the scope and they honestly don't have that willpower. <laughs> like they don't, I mean, like tithing is giving 10% of your income. I don't look at the numbers of people giving here, but I'll bet you that less than 10% of my congregation gives 10% of their income. But I mean, my son, for instance, is on Medicaid for special disabilities. He's got, he's, he's nine years old, but he's like a one-year-old developmentally. And he's on this Medicaid program, right? So we could go to Minnesota and get his legs worked on. And then he's had like three or four therapies at, in Des Moines for years. And we're talking like, this would be, this is thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. My church by itself would never have been able to pay for his stuff. Like even if everybody was tithing <laughs> and not, and not, not everybody would want to, because then they would say, I don't know if we should really be giving all that money for this kid who's only going to be a one-year-old for the rest of his life. I mean, it's just, it's going to be feel really, like, yeah, yeah, when you feel like the needs are so great that you could never meet them, it makes you less willing to give. Because yeah. you feel like there's no way to ever really meet that need and it won't be enough. So and I that's just one through. kid. That's just right. like my kid, you know? Uh, what about the person that, you know, is on is hooked on drugs, you know, that has this health issue? Are they going to want to give them money? Are they going to want to pay rent to a landlord who they don't think is very good, even though this person needs a place to stay? I mean, it's just completely unrealistic. I just don't think Christians that say that the church should take care of all of social society's needs, right. they must have no idea what society's needs really are. <laughs> well, they expect that some people are just supposed to be poor, I think. In I a guess, sense. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but well, we have like, third, okay, I calculated for that particular incident, like uh -huh. the town of Alto had two tornadoes go through in that, that, <laughs> that, you know, and on one day. So a lot of things were destroyed. And I was like, there was, I was like, if the population was 1300, okay, in that town, and they each got that $1,000 a month, I was calculating like, well, how much yeah. money is that? That's like $1.3 million. Is mm -hmm. that right? Did I get the math right? 1300 right. people at $1,000 a month. <laughs> I don't have a calculator. It's on my phone. <laughs> uh, how much is that? <laughs> It sounds right. I'm not a math person either. But I mean, like, okay, I'm a math teacher, so I'm just going to say it's right. But $1.3 yeah, yeah. million, that's more than $600,000. And that's every month. And that's yeah. spread out to everybody in the community. But if they wanted to give to that church, they probably could have co collected a lot more money and to, yeah. to do that job. You know? Well, they, they want to give 10%. So, you know, that's $100. But that's every so. month that's of the actually, year for the actually, entire year. So I'm like, that's sure. not even... You know they're there's a uh, they're incredibly proud of that six hundred thousand dollars as they should be. But like you know why would you reject a policy that, that that's actually thirteen? Wait, how many zeros? Thirteen million. What? No, one point three. Oh, 1.3. Oh, okay. Over the course yeah. of a year, yes, thirteen million. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 That's a lot more money into that community. And if they wanted to help each other with that money, they would right. do it. I think. But, but I mean, I feel like we all need to give because we need to. There's there's a I was just working on this website this morning about um, just when I talk about needing to give, I'm not telling that it's a command. It's that it's a desire. 
Like, um, I think it's second Corinthians nine, eight, nine, this stuff. It's like, God loves a cheerful giver. Like we don't want, I don't want churches to feel like they have to give. So I don't really think the state should be giving it to churches to dole out because then you'd feel like you have to. Um, and that's really not, at least from a spiritual was, perspective, that's not I was saying funding. I was more saying funding a church to handle like a national disaster because well, they're oh, sure. able to, and, because they have the resources and the people, they're more able to divide the effort to, to recover like an area. But I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. And, and the good thing is that like, if everybody had like a social floor, then nobody would feel this kind of thing where it's like, oh, I have a little more than this person, but like it's hardly even enough for me, but I have to give to this person because they have like so, so little. And then and then it puts that per it, it puts you in this like dilemma, like I need help and they need help. But with this social floor, it like gets rid of that and, and it's just like a gigantic weight off people's shoulders. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? I just, as a pastor, I think about how many people are suffering just from the crisis of having no money. Like, it's not that they aren't getting by. It's that they know that if something bad happens, they can't. Like, they're not going to make it. And it's just that constant fear. Yeah. It's awful. It's, it's just such and, a horrible thing. And in this day and age where we have, like, airplanes and computers and like like putting a man on the moon you can't tell me that people have to be in those situations that's ridiculous so uh, that's back to abundance <laughs> yeah. uh, right. uh, we're kind of coming up at, at the towards the end of uh, our time here but uh it's more of a, a personal thing that i'd like, like to ask uh, pastor steven uh this is uh, a, a bit of a quote that i believe you uh it was in a video um it was soon after Yang had dropped out, um, in which uh, in which you said, um, it, it, "This is, I guess, like a philosophy and uh, how to build character." Um, you said, uh, "Suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to character. Character leads to hope." Um, I was hoping if you could just uh, chat on that for a while. I, I think I got the quote right. Correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, it's it's a biblical quote. It's from Romans five, um, and I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> now I said the, t- the book and verse, but it is a biblical quote. It's not my own. But yeah, I mean, I guess when I think about in relationship to the Andrew Yang campaign, at least, I feel like, I mean, I still remember like, that the feeling like doing a video when he dropped out, like I just could hardly talk. Like I just kept, um, I mean, it still just sends shivers down my spine. I'm just, it's so upsetting when I think about what could have happened. Like, I felt like my hope was all gone. Like I felt like all those people that I was praying for that would have that thousand dollars a month, not, not me, but like people that are destitute, like that they just were lost now, like that I failed them or something, you know, but like, I mean, that's what I felt like that suffering. But what the Bible at least says is that, I mean, it leads, if you continue to work, I mean, that's perseverance. It, it kind of strengthens you. It's like a coal turning into diamond under lots of pressure, I guess. I mean, if the Yang gang can continue to persevere through this, you know, that builds up our character. It, it makes us understand that it's not just about one candidate. If like, like for me, it's a, a lot about UBI, but I mean, it's, it, it like continues to, um, focus our efforts. And then that's really what leads to hope because I feel like in some ways, 
even though I saw it happening, like I was putting too much pressure on Andrew Yang. I mean, the guy is not a politician, never has done this before. You know, Zach Brownman is like, I mean, I think, you know, personally, I, I feel like maybe he made some mistakes as a campaign manager. It's his first time. You know, what am I expecting from the guy? <laughs> like, he, I mean, what, what do I really expect from this? I'm putting so much hope and pressure on like Democrats who are more focused on Donald Trump than on the future of our world or our society. <laughs> like, it's just almost unfair how much pressure I was putting on Andrew and all these people to give me my hope. But that's not really where the hope comes from. It's by persevering in these efforts, building our character. That's what leads to hope. I mean, um, well, and of course, I believe in God as well. That's giving us this. But, you know, if the Yang gang can really use that experience to embolden us and learn how to spread the message better and, you know, all these things. I mean, I feel like that's what's going to give our country hope. That's my mini mini sermon. You gotta there. keep on yanging all yeah. of us. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the point. The best thing that we can do is what we're doing is put out more content. The more stuff that we put out into the world, positive energy, the mm -hmm. more we're going to get back and get Andrew uh, up there for next time. So and and Yang was just a regular human being, just like every one of us here. And I think that's the main takeaway. It's it's yeah. like he could have been any one of us. And uh, we're, we're, we're just taking the lead. We're just creating. And that's wonderful. <laughs> but it takes all of us to do it. He can't literally do it himself because he was in Iowa with well, doing five yeah. to seven events a day. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's when we were I'm like, saying. wait a minute. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like now, now we can have like a whole country full of like Andrew Yang, similar people creating just as much energy as he created, solving just as many problems as he solved. And uh, that's, that's the listen in all this, I think. Yeah, I'm so grateful to the Yang campaign. I mean, like as the precinct captain and all this canvassing, like we won, <laughs> this is, I think it's so funny because like at my caucus site, we destroyed the competition. Like we got five delegates wow. out of the nine possible. We had 15 mm -hmm. out of the, whatever it was, 32 or that showed up. I mean, it was like, I left that place and I was like, we're going to win. <laughs> and then I came home and I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Well, if they had a Stephen Brewers in every single yeah, one of those precincts, then you would have I mean, won Iowa. Yes, you would have. But I mean, all these people, like I'm still in touch with all of them. Like I still talk to them. I, I'm reminding them that how to keep hearing about Andrea, um, what's going on with UBI. Like I'm not giving up. Like four years from now, I want those 15 and then whoever else, you know, like, because that's, that's what I mean by, I feel like it, we need to persevere. We can't just like take four years off. Bring 10 more people, nine more people. Look at all those like micro grants that were given for the $250 that like helped so many people. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be in the white house. It would help yeah. a lot. And, and we can get him there in 2024, but, but we shouldn't look at that as like, oh, it's either this or bus. No, it's like, it's like we're going to exploit every single avenue that we can exploit to get these solutions out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, I mean, for me, I still am trying to reach out across the aisle, even though I do feel like maybe in general, for, for Yang Gang, advice for myself and for the rest of the Yang Gang 
is to work on Democrats. <laughs> like the Democrats were our downfall, not necessarily independents or Republicans. I mean, I, I feel personally, I probably spent too much time. Like I said, I, I made my, uh, my channel really aimed at the general election, thinking everyone was just going to support Andrew Yang as a Democrat, but I was wrong. Uh, and I mean, I feel uh, like Democrats in some ways, are some of our hardest audience. Yeah. <laughs> hard time mm-hmm. talking yeah. to the Democrats. Part of the reason is they, they, um, they're, I feel like there's too much football in our, in our, um, you know, parties. Mm-hmm. It's us against them. So I actually yeah, tried yeah. to run, I tried to run for this little office, which is to become a national delegate to go to the national convention for three whole mm-hmm. days. I'm like, that <laughs> is not, that is nothing I need to be too concerned about. Right. But, um, but when I was running for that, I got certain comments that I realized, you know, they didn't feel that I was a real Democrat. If I say to them that Democrats and Republicans are the same, but to sure. me, I feel like you're all humans. I, you can't see that you're similar, you know, as you're just wearing a blue uniform or a red uniform, but in their minds are very different mm-hmm. and you can never talk to those people on that side. So I feel like there's something going on, you know, it has to be, it has to be everybody. It has to be all of humanity come and come together to do this. I, I know I really pray that we don't turn into I mean, like I was a Bernie Sanders supporter in 2016 and I switched over. Not that I was that involved in Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016, but like, I just don't want the Yang gang to turn into what I felt like the burners or the Bernie bros turned into last time, which is so negative and so, um, I don't know, bitter. I just don't want that for us. Oh, no way. The most positive bunch there is. So I think we're going to be okay. I hope so. Because they had a lot of hope in 2016 and they felt like they got destroyed, which they did. I mean, they got like, you know, unfairly treated. But yeah, like but I feel yeah. like I need to reach better out to them or to Warren fans or Buttigieg fans. I gotta like I gotta yeah, why, find a why way. Why aren't we able to, to talk to each other right. better? I think we and, and and if the, if the, if there is a candidate that comes out that looks like they say I want like a thousand five hundred per month instead of a thousand, and they're running against Yang. Like, yeah. let's say hypothetically, it's not like we're gonna say like, oh, they're trying to steal Yang's thunder, and 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 like Yang didn't win last time, and like we want him to win this time. We'll be like, okay, let's look at the guy. Let's yeah. see, you know, you know what 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 he has to say, and and yeah, but but well, I don't think what about right now? If it does, okay. Ariel, give us an update on the Booker. Uh, uh, situation. Oh, yeah. This is a, I think that was a test trial of our group, which I Booker. felt we failed because Booker. both Mike Royers and Charles Booker were running on UBI and we all piled mm-hmm. in on one. I think, I think we could have done a better job. No, I, well, 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 let me tell you what I think. Okay, uh, Mike, Mike Royer um, uh, blocked some of Amy McGrath's support and then and then that opened up for Booker to be in the league because because I think I think Mike Royer got some of the Amy votes in some of the rural places and then Booker just swept it away in the other side. So it's like we worked as a tag team. So what's the update? How's he doing? I, I don't actually know. I need, uh, need you to give me my news every day. Let me let me let me pull it up right here. <laughs> OK, uh, hang on. I, I, I'd also say, you know, I, I think uh, sometimes we forget that Twitter is not real life. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think from from my perspective, um, it seemed it seemed so clear and so obvious uh, um, that, book, that, that, book, that Booker Warrior was going to run with it. 
But um, right. but yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I don't live in uh, Kentucky. I don't know what it's like, you know, what it's, uh, what it's like on the ground with the politics there. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, hats off the Booker. Yeah, uh, Booker is in the lead with uh with about like five hundred and like five hundred and seventy votes. So Booker's <gasps> still winning. Just small, but such a small margin just, right but now. But just oh. a small, small margin. So so, but 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 he looks like he's keeping it up. And, well, and maybe and, he'll yeah. reach out to Mike, the Mike guy, and collaborate more once. If no, the problem is I don't understand why our group piled in only on one of them when because they're both Scott UBI. Clinton's. No, because we already had a whole bunch of campaign people there. I think we just don't spend enough time think, uh, thinking about, you know, like how we approach this. You know, sometimes we didn't we don't have a lot of leadership from up top, honestly. Um, where, you know, it's like, they're both UBI candidates and we should have known that. And we should have like, yeah, you know, I have no idea. To... Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I, mean I, I knew they were both pro UBI candidates. I was not anti Booker. I mean, I was anti McGrath, um, <laughs> but I, but, but I was, I mean, if I, if I was in Kentucky, I feel that I would still would have voted for Breuer, um, just given his, uh, his platform and, uh, I, I, his, his campaign resonated with me deeper than Booker's did. Um. I, I think uh, Satan's uh, on his team definitely helped. Uh, I'm, uh, the humanity forward involvement is huge. Um, but, and I, but, you and know, I, I, yeah. So uh, I don't understand why we can't support both because big corporations do that. They buy everybody, you know, they right, buy everybody think, in the race and then they own them all. So I think the people need to start doing that. If, if they're for our policies, we should support everybody that, you know, we don't oh, have yeah, to. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if anybody in the Yang game was necessarily like anti-Booker. Right. Like, I don't think anybody in Yang Yang would vote McGrath over Booker. Right. Like, given given the choice between the two. So I, I, I just think, yeah, maybe some um, some some inner party lines were drawn a little bit too thick. But I, I'm not sure if the animosity was like it was like really there. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to be. Well, I, I, you know, well, well, I saw Patrick until, made a it made a made a video with um, Marianne Williamson. And uh, they basically said, oh, Mike Royer and all. So yeah, right, I, right, well, I just feel like uh, there could have been, uh, the emphasis could have been they're both UBI candidates. That right. could have been the emphasis. Yeah, yeah I, I, I 100% agree with you. But it's, at the same time, too, I, I, it's uh, we'll see how the general goes. You know, it, let, let's say um, Booker wins his primary and he loses in the, the general. Um, I think uh, <laughs> one, one thing I hope Yang Gang doesn't become um, forever, at least, is like the party of told you so. I think the way we win is both Republican and Democrat in this race are UBI candidates. That's how we win. Because there's yeah, no way to lose. You can't literally lose if they're all for it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly. why Jeremy is doing his thing. That's why I'm a little surprised if Jeremy to not to not see that immediately because I feel like Jeremy is uh, going to be working on this wonderful thing. Do you want to tell us or not? Is this like a secret? No, it's really not a secret, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be very quick with the explanation okay. just because we're, we're kind of short on time. But okay. yeah, so uh, so yeah, uh, started a PAC. Uh, it's not a super PAC. It's just a political action committee. Um, me and uh, fellow round uh, roundtable member Zach Sacker are really uh, the ones behind it right now. But um, but it's a PAC. We're called uh, Restoring American Families, and our 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 sole purpose is to uh, um, support and find candidates that will run on a UBI platform. So, uh, so we're, yeah, so we're, 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 tar we're targeted exclusively at conservatives, um, which will likely be conservatives in, in rural areas. Like we're, we're trying to target areas where like 
only a Republican is going to win in this district, right? There's like, there's mm-hmm. nothing, like nothing's going to change that, right? So find people within these communities that can embrace UBI and then help them get into office. So that that sounds it. awesome. That's a win for gang gang, I think. So yeah. we're a hundred percent behind Jeremy on this. Awesome. If you have well, a yeah. website, let me know. Yeah. One um, of the, yeah, one website of the should be up later I'm, this week. Awesome. I will try to find it because one of the things that I'm trying to do on the website I'm starting is just making links to a lot. There's so much great information already out there that I'm just linking to a lot of different websites. And Scott Santons has so much great information. And there's the timeline on the, that I, the, was it Gerald Huff, um, humanity, Huff humanity forward. I can't, <laughs> sorry. I Fun can't think humanity. of what the website is. It's great though. Um, yes. but I mean, there's so much that's already been done. Like I just tried, I want to reach out to a population that maybe doesn't know much about UBI and then link to all these great places and then give the, you know, the new content is just aimed at Christians because there really isn't a lot there. I can't believe Christians for UBI.com has not been taken. Like nothing like it has been taken. So it was for you. I paid it was for yours. It for three years. <laughs> yeah, I think what me and Zach are trying to do, it's not difficult to, well, it's actually not that difficult to convince um, conservatives and Republicans that UBI is a good idea. It's challenging to convince them to run on the, uh, as, as part of their platform, right? To actually say it. Yes. They won't say it to people. Right. They'll yeah. say to you privately, you know, I, I mm-hmm. think this is a good idea. And then, you know, but thank you so much for joining us because I don't want to, you know, keep you from yeah, your beautiful thanks. children and your beautiful wife. And yeah, I you, I, yeah. she she agreed. Um, I mean, she is wonderful. She she really took a back seat during the campaign. I mean, I asked for her approval, but, you know, she doesn't. Um, I mean, she realizes that I just I go over the top. You know, I don't just write Facebook posts. I make YouTube channels and go canvassing every weekend for three, four months. <laughs> but, um, you know, yep. make phone calls, all this stuff. But, I mean, she's just now sort of getting back to, you know, I, I don't make as many videos anymore. She needed to make sure that I could stop, I guess is the point. But next time I hope to not stop till November. <laughs> well, you do you do want to just pay attention to that sustainability issue. All of us are yeah. in that right now. A mm-hmm. lot of us have have put our children on hold or put our, mm-hmm. you know, and other relationships on hold. And it is time to make sure that those things are really strong. So I do well, like the what coronavirus said. gave us a great opportunity to be with our loved ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, I, and uh, I I'm just hoping. Well. I live in this small town in Iowa and we're going to open up our church in July, which I do think it's the right thing to do for us. We've had like 12 cases total since March in our entire County. Uh, it's really not here. We think, <laughs> you know, Have you checked the jail because in our County, we mm-hmm. have a, we had like 25% of our population is in jail is incarcerated. We and we, we had a huge outbreak there, but they didn't put yeah. the numbers in with the regular public oh, health. Sure. I don't know. We only have a very small jail nearby. I, I mean, like two people max there at any one time. It's not. Okay. So, but, Good job. Um, but, um, but I, but I just, 
I worry so much. I do not want to spread it. And a lot of people, I just don't understand why wearing a mask is a political statement. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but it seems to be. And yeah. I'm wearing them and we're making, well, not making, we're encouraging everyone to wear a mask. But a lot of them won't in my church. And I just don't want anyone to possibly get sick because of this. Because it would just make me sick to my stomach. Furthermore, my family won't be coming except for me because they don't want to be um, you know, bringing a little baby or my special needs kid anywhere that would risk it, but right. still like how kids, even with their mask on, they're just very yeah. anxious and they want to touch everything and lick stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, I really, I really hope that it goes. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like we're doing fine online, but a lot of people are wanting to meet together. And so we're doing it, but I hope it all works out. <laughs> I just, I don't want some like big, uh, a whole bunch of people sick in this area. I just feel like it just doesn't make any sense why we have to put people at risk. But well, we believe that you are going to have really good judgment and you're going to do, uh, you know, take the stance that you need to and make the best judgment, you know, call when this, when this comes to be. And, yeah, and hopefully we, we've been the most conservative church in terms of we're like the last ones to open up because I figured I'd mm-hmm. give the other churches a month. And if it like suddenly we had a bunch of cases, we would never have to like open up. <laughs> but um, but there haven't been. And that's what I mean. Like in our situation, in our environment, we'll probably be OK. But um, I know a lot of churches really probably should not be open in cities, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just a very different situation there. But thank you for for um, for bringing uh, Stephen here, uh, Jeremy, so that we could meet him. Because this has been wonderful. Thank you for for just yeah. being such an awesome human being, and it's really nice to get to know you. Thanks so much for inviting me. And I know that I messed it up the one time, so I'm really sorry about that. Um, oh no! Do you I have, have no a, um, do you have like a Twitter handle or something where you'd like people to connect with you or your YouTube channel? Go ahead and tell us about that. Sure. Well, my YouTube channel is Yang Gang Christians. And I'm pretty sure, so I only got on Twitter because of Andrew Yang, right? Um, but it's at Brewers, which is B as in boy, R-O-E-R-S, and then Steven. So at Brewers Steven, I think that's my Twitter handle. <laughs> and then, um, and I should, I'm just going to plug it because it's probably going to launch next week. I'm starting a new website. That's www.christiansforubi, for is spelled out, F-O-R, for ubi.com. And that's all the cool really kids now be, actually spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just decided that that was the best way to go. But I'm just hoping that it's a way that I can reach out. It's not really talking about Andrew Yang necessarily. It's really just the policy and answering some common questions that I've heard from other Christians and and just giving lots of links to places where they can find out more about about it just in general. So we'll see. I feel like it's something I can do at least. Well, you have information for the uh, for the fiscal conservatives who want to know, like, uh, how do you pay for it? You know, well, I mean, there's already a lot out there about it. But yeah, I mean, I'll have links. That's the thing. I just don't want to re. I mean, I'm not going to retype everything. <laughs> Because <laughs> your area is very similar to my area in a sense. So I'd be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be checking that out. So. There's 
there's just a lot of just basic questions I feel like I hear over and over again from Christians and just I, I want to find a way to get this policy out there because I feel like if people had known about the policy, they might have been more likely to vote for Andrew Yang right away. And mm-hmm. since he has the name recognition now, or at least more so, I'm hoping that maybe the next time we have this opportunity, we'll be able to have a running start. So, Well, don't be a stranger. Our podcast usually has five people at the round table. Awesome. So uh, sometimes more, you know, you can hop in anytime when we have a speaker or just to, to do a, a podcast with us. Come, come by again. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Yeah, open invitation. And uh, the same goes for you. Do you want to tell us about your um, your channels and stuff? Oh. Um, do, Daniel? Do I have? No. Um, you don't? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to go. Is it okay yeah. if I go, though? Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry, there Daniel. Go, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. We'll love you, buddy. Later. We'll connect again. again later another yeah. way. Take care. Bye, Stephen. Bye. No, I'm, I just didn't want to take away from your channel theme, but yeah, AmericanJobsFactory.com. That's my website. And I want to create jobs for the future that don't destroy us. That's the whole idea. And it's a nonprofit that I've been working on for basically about a year and a half now. And so it's still relatively new. It's always a work in progress. I haven't created any jobs yet. (laughs) So I need, you know, people's help to to get me there but it's slowly coming together i mean the website is getting better all the time and even Faye is helping me um edit some some things on it and hopefully i will have an explainer video which i'm working on to to go on the website soon and and, you know eventually we'll get there and i'll be able i have basically i set up the system and all the groundwork to as soon as we create jobs it's going to go really really fast Aren't you but on I the, just have to get there. Aren't you on Instagram now? You're saying you're 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 gonna have more Instagram stuff, right? Well, I've always been on Instagram. The thing that happened with Instagram is Instagram deleted my whole account for American Jobs Factory. I had to redo it. So. Oh well, what's your new Instagram? Well, American Job Factory without the S because they deleted. No S. They deleted the S and they would <laughs> not let me have it back. So I had to start again without the S. So American Job Factory. On uh, always keep your backups of everything you do because YouTube just randomly just get rid of your channel or for no Facebook. reason or Facebook or yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, Ariel, do you want to? Do you want to? Did we already introduce ourselves at the beginning? So we should. Yeah, we did. Okay, so maybe we should say good night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. All right. Thank you, uh, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of the Yang Gang Roundtable Podcast. Uh, Tune back in tomorrow where we will have a normal roundtable discussion. Normal? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love being part of the Regular? Yes. Guestless? Yeah, yeah, no guests tomorrow. I don't have anybody booked for for next weekend either. Not yet. Did you know that there's a war on us normal people? (laughs) (laughs) Be careful out there. Uh, You normal people need to be careful out there. (laughs) Yang Gang jokes. (laughs) Well, all right. Uh, th- uh, special cool. thank you again to Pastor Stephen Broyers for joining us today. And uh, we love each and every one of you guys. So thanks again and see you next time. Bye. Bye.